the phone. Say you got a blade. Bring it to the floor. Turn it rain to snow. Dripping head to toe. Never doubt And welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. What a weekend of sports. NFL Week 2 is in the books. Shout out to all the winners, big winners this week. Shout out to the Giants who had a great comeback. Daniel Jones, I'm sorry for talking shit about you last weekend. Shout out to the Chargers for losing in Charger fashion again, 27-24 against the Titans. The Falcons are 2-0. The Buccaneers are 2-0. The Saints are 2-0. Bear fans have completely turned on Justin Fields this season. They might be looking for their next guy. The Bengals are 0-2. The Chargers are 0-2. The Chiefs had a little bit of a scare against the Jaguars, but they get the job done. The Colts get their first win against the Texans. Richardson rushing like a baller, but then he gets hurt. Seahawks bounce back against the Lions. Eagles, pretty ugly start. Thursday night football, they get the dub against the Vikings. Bills bounce back. Josh Allen has a bounce back game. He looks very, very, very good. And he's still a crazy, crazy man. Tried to hurdle someone from the five-yard line. Insane. 49ers take over SoFi Stadium against the Rams. Rams look competitive, though. They beat the Seahawks week one. They kept up with the 49ers week two. Shout out to McVay. Has that team uh, being competitive. And the Rams look like they found their Cooper Cup clone in Puka. He's just getting all these catches. Sets the rookie wide receiver record for catches in a game. That's insane. Um, What else? What else? What else? Uh, Nick Chubb got hurt on Monday Night Football. He's done for the season. That was an ugly, ugly, ugly sight to see. The Steelers get their first dub with speedy recovery to the Browns um, running back, Nick Chubb. Uh, Commanders squeak out a win against the Broncos. Broncos fall to 0-2. Patriots fall to 0-2. Dolphins look pretty good. That celebration by uh, Tyreek Hill is freaking sick. Uh, Cowboys go to 2-0. The Jets are in trouble. Zach Wilson throws three interceptions. He's, he's <laughs> They're in trouble. But yeah, that's NFL. We'll touch on some of these games right now. Um, I, I namely want to talk about how the Bears have turned on Justin Fields and what my thoughts are on him. If he's done, should they look for their next quarterback? Is that project over? Also, I want to touch on Staley and the Chargers. How, how much more time are they going to give him? And to wrap it up, I want to wrap. I want to talk about the surprising NFC South. Who would have thought the Buccaneers, the Falcons, and the Saints would be 2-0 after two weeks? That is very impressive. Also, in other news, Club America get it done against Chivas in the Clásico of Mexico. 4-0. Dominating performance by America. If you guys don't know, that's my first love. Right here behind me, I have the scarf. Club America, my first, first, first club that I loved. What can I say? We'll, we'll touch on that game. The number 10, Valdez, looking amazing. Bringing back memories of... My favorite player of all time, Cuauhtémoc Blanco. And in the Premier League, another another solid, solid week of football. Um, the Wolves, my Wolves lose to Liverpool 3-1. to We'll touch on that game. But all of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Man, the Bears lose to the Buccaneers 17-27. Ugly game. Ugly way to end the game. Justin Fields throws a pick six. Pick six. Trying to throw a screen. His numbers, pretty bad. 16 for 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Couldn't get really anything going on offense. Um, And the Buccaneers, you know, a team that a lot of people thought were going to be pushovers this year are 2-0. and 
Got to give a lot of credit to Baker Mayfield, 26 out of 34, 317, one touchdown. Great numbers. He looked solid, too. He was he was actually extending plays. Um, he looked good out there. Can't, we'll touch on that a little bit later when we talk about the NFC South and how, how they're doing. But I want to focus on Justin Fields because after two weeks, after two weeks, it looks like Bear fans have completely turned on, on Justin Fields. And is it warranted? I mean, I think so to a certain degree. But, man, if you guys are on TikTok, if you guys are on Instagram, if you guys are on X, formerly known as Twitter, man, all the clips, all the clips, all the tweets, all these Bear fans just talking about the things that Justin Field can't do. And, I mean, the evidence is there. He's struggling to see the field. He's struggling to go through his progressions. He's struggling to make a decision. He holds on to the football too much, and he tries to run. And... Yeah, it looks bad, not going to lie. And it's crazy how quickly the fans have turned on him, which I get. They're 0-2, and they haven't really played. Like, you know, they they lost to the Packers, who have a new quarterback, who finally moved on from Favre and from Rodgers. And, you know, Bear fans are probably thinking, like, Jordan Love doesn't have any experience. Our quarterback at least has a couple seasons under his belt. Or, like, you know, he's been in the league. He's gotten more playing time. There should be no reason why we can't compete with them. And Packers go and they beat them 38-20 at Soldier Field. All right. Maybe week two against the Buccaneers. We got a little journeyman quarterback, former number one overall, but he's a journeyman journeyman quarterback. They don't have Tom Brady no more. No one really thinks of the Buccaneers as, you know, a powerhouse in the NFC going into the season. Why not? Let's get the season back on track. And it looks bad. It looks ugly. And people, you know, with social media being so pre- prevalent nowadays, um, it's you can't hide your weaknesses. You, you you mess up a play, you miss a wide receiver running straight down the middle, you don't see him. People are going to, you know, pause their YouTube TV. They're going to pause their YouTube TV. They're going to rewind. And they're going to record it and they're going to put it in the internet and people are going to be able to see it over and over and over again. And that's what's happening to Justin Fields now. People are just putting all these clips on social media they're putting all these clips of Justin Fields not seeing the field, having people actually run wide open, and him just not finding his man. <laughs> and those clips are pretty bad. Like I do, I do have to agree that like those clips are bad, and it, it makes Justin Fields look like like a deer in the headlights. Like he's not ready. Like he can't go through his progressions. He sees it. He doesn't throw it. He doesn't trust his arm. He probably doesn't trust his accuracy. There's a couple times where like. The line actually gives him like five, six seconds, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't throw the ball away. He just kind of takes the sack, or he tries to tuck it and run, and he just kind of like doesn't have a lane to go into from his pocket, and it just collapses on him. He takes the sack, and now you're looking like a third and 20, third and 15. Whew. But the amount of videos, man, it, it made me feel like I was a, a Bear fan or something. I don't know what my For You page was about, but... I kept seeing Bear fans just, man, again, another Caesar, Bear down, Bear down. Like, is this what I want? Is this what I want? Like, I saw so many TikToks of Bear fans just so over the season, so over their team after week two. But, I mean, I think they got to ride the ship with Justin Fields, man. Like, you got to you gotta give you gotta give them um, more chances. This is one of the, I mean, everybody was happy. No, I mean, not everyone was happy, but everyone was optimistic about Justin Fields this season because the running was so good last year. The running was amazing. Uh, I believe he went over like a thousand yards. He looked good running the ball. He was making, all, extending a lot of plays, especially at the end of the season. Like even his passing numbers were getting a little better. 
but he did run a lot. He was escaping a lot. He was tucking it and running it a lot. And they're even saying that he's taking longer to throw his his football now. His release is slower. His his uh, dropback is like super relaxed, super nonchalant. And by the time he gets to the top of his dropback, like it's like super late. He's late to his to to get to his reads. He's late to throw the ball. He's late to you know understand what's going on in the field. I think all of that has to do with the the lack of development that they've done in this in this first two seasons. Like I think because he didn't have the weapons. Now he has DJ Moore, but before he didn't really have anybody. Um, his line's giving him a little bit of time, but I think he's he's so used to just tucking the ball and running because his line, like you know, his first two years weren't really helping him. He he's so used to it. It's like muscle memory now. He doesn't he doesn't believe he's gonna have time. I'm not making excuses. It's just like I've seen it before. Like if you go back to like David Carr when he started and he got sacked hella times with the Texans, he he just couldn't do it. And I think about like Alex Smith. Um, it took him a while to be able to trust his pocket and like stay there and throw the ball after he was getting like destroyed at this at the beginning of his of his career. I'm looking at Blaine Gabbert. That's another one that comes to my head where uh, he would show a little bit of flashes, but just his time with the Jaguars was just so bad. When he would get sacked and he would get pressured so quick that when even when he got to the to the 49ers and he got a little bit of playing time, like he he just he would freeze up in the pocket. He'll start he start getting like small. And Blaine Garrett was like six five, six six. And they're talking about he he looks like a six one, five ten quarterback because he's getting little on on the pocket. And I think that's you know, that's part of the reason why Justin Fields is 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 not developing right now. I think he has that. He just needs to get rid of that muscle memory that he's he's developed his first two years when the pocket collapsing on him and you know not really having a weapon, not really having uh, playmakers around him. But I mean that's there's no excuse. You're an NFL quarterback. You're a, you know high draft pick, first first round pick. You're the the team has shown faith in you. You know this offseason they had the number one overall pick and they traded away. They they kind of showed faith in you that you you could be the guy. Justin Fields needs to step it up, and I do agree. He needs to show. He does look a little nonchalant when he's dropping back, and he did look a little nonchalant when he did the the little screens pass that he's trying to set up. Even even in the effort to try to like tackle him, the the guy that intercepted him, like it, it's just all too nonchalant right now. So Justin Fields, please get it together, because as a neutral, as a free agent fan, like I'm a fan of you, man. I'm a fan of you. People are gonna say that that's that's the the mo of um, Ohio State quarterbacks and they can't read the field they can't go through their progressions I hope Justin Fields debunks that and he has a good uh, rest of the season but not gonna lie after after watching that game and seeing all those TikToks of Bear fans like it might be GG for my boy but I, I wish him the best the Bears are playing the Chiefs next so it doesn't get easier I don't think they're gonna win that game they're gonna go 0-3 and they're going to play the Broncos, who are going to be desperate, too. So we'll see how we're looking. We'll, maybe we'll revisit this after week four. Because, you know, after the Chiefs, is not really worth They're going to be on three, like, for sure. Chiefs, are, Chiefs haven't played that good. They're, they're probably going to actually beat down on the Bears to prove a point. But they might be able to beat the Broncos on, on week four, October 1st. We'll see how the Broncos are doing. Um, so yeah, we might revisit this after week four and if it's not looking up, then, you know, that <laughs> we might have to close the book on, on Justin Fields and surprise, surprise, the Chargers lose in heartbreak fashion again. 
24 to 27 against the Titans in a matchup where, you know, they should have won. They're the more talented team. They have the better quarterback. They theoretically have the better defense. And they just can't get it done. Like, their defense has more stars, more money invested in it, and they can't get it done. Justin Herbert has a pretty good game, 305 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, in my opinion, he could have done a little bit better. The run game was non-existent. Uh, I'm a little salty about that, not going to lie. Joshua, Joshua, Joshua Kelly, 39 yards, 3.3 yards of average. But they kind of didn't really run the ball too much. They didn't make that a priority. I get that Eckler was a scratch uh, before the game started. His, I guess his ankle is still bothering him. We'll see how that keeps going. But in my opinion, like the Chargers have a way better team than the Titans. Like The Titans were one of those teams where people were kind of uh, understand that they've been competitive and they understand that they've been a really good team these last few years and they've made an AFC championship where they got rolled by the by the Chiefs, if I remember correctly. And, and you know, they've been competitive. Bravo is a great head coach. He's going to keep them competitive. Competitive. I think everyone's kind of getting to that point with the Titans where they're like, okay, we kind of seen what you are. You're not really a contender. Uh, we've seen what Ryan Tannehill is. Like, yeah. It's great that he had a little resurgence towards the end of his career. You know, he he's playing better now, or he played better these last few years than he ever did with the Dolphins, and good for him. He got a little contract, around $30 million a year. Like, it's a good story. It's a great story. And they still got Derrick Henry. They still, you know, they got Traylon Burks. They got DeAndre Hopkins. Like, we, we get it. But a lot of people, from what I was hearing before the season, like, they were expecting kind of like a dip from the Titans dip from the Titans. They did not look good against the Saints in week one. So the Chargers looked decently good against, you know, one of uh, one of the better AFC teams in the Dolphins. So I do believe, I don't remember correctly, but I do believe the Chargers were favorites going into this game. And they lost. And their defense doesn't look good. And their offense is not clicking on all cylinders. Like, I, I was going into the season expecting the Chargers to be a really good offense. Like on both on both sides, passing, rushing, everything, and the offense had a chance to put the game away multiple times, and they couldn't get it done. And then the defense, which is supposed to be one of their strengths, as their coach Staley came from the Rams, heralded, regarded as one of the elite defensive coaches in the league, and he has just not done it with the Chargers. They have Khalil Mack, they have all these players getting huge contracts, Derwin James. Um, and and it's just bad. It's just bad for the Chargers. Owing to, um, I don't know. I think it might be time for Staley to be gone because the Chargers last year they were going into the season as you know Super Bowl dark horses, almost playoff logs. Almost everyone had them as playoff logs. Um, Herbert was a was a widely regarded as an MVP candidate and didn't really live up to it or didn't live up to it at all and this year you know people don't learn <laughs> people don't understand the history of the chargers but here we go again a lot of people dark horses a lot of people making them like the obvious wild card team and you see behind the chiefs and here we go oh and two and they got the vikings coming up and the vikings are desperate as well to get a dub so we'll see it's gonna be a this 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 might be for the season, man. This might be for the season for both teams. Um, the Vikings who lost to the Buccaneers and lost to the Eagles. 
Chargers who lost to the Titans and lost to the Dolphins. This it's crazy. It's week three, and these two teams are kind of playing for their seasons. And the Chargers at Vikings. Who do we think is going to win? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough one. It's probably one of the matches of the week, not going to lie, because both teams came into the season with high expectations. I believe the Vikings were 13-4 and four last year. Chargers missed the playoffs. Both teams um, came into this season with a lot of excitement. The Vikings had, you know, um, Kirk Cousins on that QB show on Netflix. Chargers made Justin Herbert the highest paid player ever in the NFL for just a little bit before uh burrow got his extension like this is week three it's week three of the nfl season and the chargers and the vikings are legit fighting for their lives in week three so this is this is one of the games that you got to watch in week three chargers versus vikings like keep an eye out for that one like this is it one of these coaches might get fired after week three and you know i was telling my friend that when are the chargers going to fire their coach and they're not known for firing coaches mid-season but you got the second highest paid player of all time in your team. You got Khalil Mack. You got um, Derwin James. You got a lot of good players. You got Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. You drafted a speedy wide receiver. Like, what's going on? Like, defense is supposed to be good. Defensive coach. One of the, you know, worst defenses in the league. It's bad. It's bad for the Chargers. I feel sorry for their fans. And the Vikings. <laughs> Kirk Cousins has been playing good. We'll see if they're able to get it done. Uh, Madison, he's, uh, hey, that's another topic. Madison talked about how he's getting uh, harassed on the internet. That's disgusting. Um, they do need more production for him, but, man, fans could be just ridiculous sometimes. But, like I said, keep an eye out for the Chargers versus Vikings in week three. Would not be surprised if whoever loses this match is GG's for their coach. As soon as week three, it could be that bad. How about that NFC South, though? The Falcons, the Buccaneers, and the Saints are all 2-0. Three teams in the NFC South are undefeated. Who would have thought that would be the case going into the season? And I might say there's a lot of good things to talk about in every single team. Like Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, not going to say balling, but playing really, really good. Uh, he has he, he seems to have found a connection with Mike Evans. Defense is playing pretty good. Offense is keeping, you know, the chains moving. If Baker Mayfield could keep this up, wild card, not out of the picture. Maybe the division. We'll see if they can do anything in the playoffs. But that's, I think, if you're a Buccaneer fan, you're you're ecstatic. You're happy with the first two seasons. You're 2-0. You're 2-0, and your quarterback is playing pretty good or really good. You got to be real happy about that Baker Mayfield you know, we, we know Baker Mayfield could play. Like, he could play. It's just his consistency. And sometimes he thinks he's more athletic than he actually is. He tries to extend the play too much. He takes a big, fat sack trying to, you know, get around the corner of the DE end. And he throws, like, a bad pick. And then it's, it just all falls apart. But he could throw. He could throw the ball. He could. He's not a bad, bad quarterback. He just had. He just has bad moments sometimes. Um, and, you know, it was tough with the Browns. It's kind of ugly. And he did pretty good with the Rams. and then, But now he's with the Buccaneers. He won the quarterback race. We'll see how the Buccaneers do. Happy for them. I'm happy for Tampa Bay. Um, and they got the Eagles next. So that's a real test. If the Buccaneers beat the Eagles and they go to 3-0 and on Monday Night Football, hey, yo, 
Baker Mayfield for comeback player of the year, and the Buccaneers are for reals. And especially because the Eagles have not looked like amazing. Like they're two and zero, but they have not looked amazing. So they're definitely, they definitely look like they could be got. They could, they definitely look like they could be caught. So we'll see, we'll see how they do. Uh, moving along to the Saints, they just beat the Panthers on Monday Night Football, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Derek Carr got interviewed after the match, after the game, and he's like, "Hey, you know what? We're two and zero. It's not pretty, uh, but you know, we rather learn on a loss than learn on a learn on a win than learn on a loss. There's a lot of stuff they could work on still. The offense doesn't look." particularly pretty but they do have weapons Taysom Hill is one of them he sealed the game on a run to the left and he's just he's just a gadget player he's an x-factor um Tony Jones gets his first two touchdowns of his career after Jamal Williams got hurt we'll see if he's able to carry the load we'll see how serious that injury is for Jamal Williams Tony Jones can he can he uh you know give him some running game till Kamara gets back from the suspension Olave, Shahid, Thomas, you know, they got they got some wide receiver depth right there. Defense is pretty good. Um, we'll see how the Saints do. 2-0, I think Saints fans have to be ecstatic too. This whole division, I'm not going to lie, this whole division, I thought they were going to be terrible. I thought, like, the the division winner was going to be, like, a like a 9-8 and eight type of thing, type of team. At best, like a 10-10-7 at best. But, you know, we got three teams, 2-0. Um, and the Saints have, who do the Saints have? The Saints play the Packers. The Packers just lost to the Falcons, who we'll, touch, who we'll talk about in a little bit. The Saints could definitely beat the Packers, even though the Packers have looked pretty good. Jordan Love has done his thing. He looks pretty good. He looks, you know, three touchdowns in each game, I believe, throwing through the air. So, but the Saints could go into the into Lambeau and get a, get an upset, upset win in the, at Lambeau Field. But yeah, Saints... Not the prettiest team. It wasn't the prettiest win against the Titans by by no by no stretch of the imagination. Monday Night Football prime time didn't look that good against the Panthers either, but they get a dub. They're two and zero. It's probably the the iffiest looking team out of the three two and zero teams in the NFC South. I do think the Buccaneers have looked a little better, and the Falcons have looked a little better. And we'll touch on the Falcons right now because they just beat the Packers. A little comeback win. It looked like the game was not going to go their way. Not gonna lie. But they shut down the Packers in the fourth quarter. And, you know, some way or another, Desmond Ritter brings him back. He still he still, he still doesn't look, in my opinion, as, as like he's the guy. Like he's their future. He, he throws a lot of risky passes. He has one interception. But he had a couple that he should have been intercepted. But the Packers just couldn't, just couldn't grab it. But, my God, B. John, Rob- B. John Robinson... That dude is a menace. That dude is a menace. Like the go if you haven't watched or if you don't get to see the highlights or the game, go look up the highlights. Packers versus Falcons. The runs, some of the runs that B. John Robinson was doing are just insane, man. Like this guy is a freak. This guy is a freak. Like <laughs> my boy is nasty. Like as a NFL free agent fan, like this is the liberty that it gives me as a free agent fan is that I could root for any team. I could watch any game. I could get any player's jersey. Bijan Robinson is one of those jerseys that I might have to cop, dude. That was brawl. He's nasty. And they might be able to lean on him, dude. Like Desmond Ritter, 
I'm saying he's not the best and he throws some dumb passes, but B. John Robinson could literally be like Saquon Barkley last year and damn near be the whole offense. And just as long as the as long as the quarterback doesn't throw the game away, like kind of like Daniel Jones, uh five turnovers all of last year or five interceptions all of last year. If if Ritter could do that, you know, the Falcons could could be could be difficult for some teams. Like their run game's so nasty. They run game so nasty. Even Tyler Algier, like he's a good backup. He's he's a, he's a good uh, he's a good backup. He's a good change of pace back. Ritter could run the ball too. He 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 did get another um, touchdown rushing. So gotta give him a little bit of credit. But dude, the NFC South, the NFC South doing their thing, two and zero, two and zero, two and zero for three teams. Um, and the Falcons play the Lions. Gonna be a tough matchup. They play the Jaguars. Gonna be a little tough. Then they get the Texans, the Commanders, they get some dubs right there. So we'll see. It's a nice little test coming up for them, Lions and Jaguars. If they're able to get through that, even one and one, then, you know, Falcons are for real, man. Ride B. John Robinson to the end. I should have drafted him in my fantasy football league. Oh, my God. I thought the hype was too was too much. I was like, dude, there's no way he lives up to this hype. Like, he's you know, like this hype is just too much weight to carry with such a young team. Like, bro, like, come on. Like, there's no way. And I... I drafted other people, but we'll see. We'll see how he does. Good job for him. He he's impressive. Um, but throw the ball to Kyle Pitts more, man. For real. like, what? Why did the Falcons draft Kyle Pitts so high if they're not gonna use him? Like, they got this man celebrating beating a man on a route, and but not getting the ball thrown to him. There's clips of him just celebrating beating people on routes because my man's bored. He he gets no chances. But yeah, shout out to the AFC South. I mean NFC South looking legit after two weeks but that should do it for the nfl this week like i said week two was a thousand times better than week one and you know hopefully we keep that progress going this season week three i hope is better than week two week four better than week three let's just keep it going let's just keep getting better every week um like i said thoroughly entertained this week um some of these primetime games could get a little better um patriots versus dolphins wasn't bad but you know, not really a marquee quarterback match- matchup. And that's that's what we want to see. We want to see two offenses going at it, punch for punch. Like I said, Panthers versus Saints, not not that entertaining. Browns versus Steelers was pretty good. But like I said, the offenses weren't that good. Can't wait till we see that first marquee quarterback quarterback matchup on on, on one of these primetime games. But moving along, switch it over to football, to soccer. America crushed Chivas 4-0 in the Clásico uh, in Mexico's Independence, September 16th. Um, so it was it was a very marquee match, a very important match. Um, the most important match in Liga MX, the Mexican Soccer League. And the two most important clubs in, in whatever the other people say, Tigres, Pumas, Monterrey, Cruz Azul... Leon, all those other teams could talk whatever they want. Toluca. We all know the two biggest teams are America and Chivas. And we all know that America is a bigger club. And they proved it. Regular season game. So, you know, we got to take it with a grain of salt. As a, as the biggest team in Mexico, we understand that seasons are defined by championships. Not by beating your your little rival Chivas who's struggling right now. But man, what a what a game! Like it was so fun to watch. It was so fun to you know talk a little shit to the homies, to all these Chiva homies that I got. I'm sorry, guys. I told you that America was gonna win. Didn't want to listen. Um, I do want to say Diego Valdez, 
man, what a baller. He's a baller. Um, I'm so glad he's with the America Chilean national team player. First goal, leaning left, finding the right corner as you're running. Like, that was beautiful. And then to have the composure to find the top right bin inside the box to get that third, the 3-0, counterattack to go 4-0. Like, that was, all the goals were beautiful. The first goal, the first goal where, you know, go dribbling, go dribbling. And then he finds, uh, who was it that found the net? Uh, it wasn't Kevin Alvarez. It was... Was it Rodriguez? It might have been Rodriguez because he was cutting left. I mean, he was cutting from the left side to right. I think it was Rodriguez. Yeah, it was Rodriguez. And then Sendeja got the fourth when he came in and finished the finished the playoff, right? Uh, but, yeah, like, what a good match for America. Um, they needed it. They needed that, that confidence boost. They go to third place now undefeated in their last five matches good for america man good for america like i said i don't i don't keep up with liga mx like week weekend week out like i still love america like first love i'm always gonna support america that like no cable gang growing up in san diego the, the only thing that i really had to entertain me was liga mx during the weekends and i loved it man i loved it um Kuala was my favorite player growing up and then Ochoa came through, and then Clever, and then Chucho Benitez, R.I.P., and Raul Jimenez, and like Sambuesa. America, I have, I have like so many jerseys of America. I took one to work today. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful match. When I do tune in to these big matches, like sometimes I tune in to see America play Tigres or Chivas. I definitely tune in during the during the playoffs, during La Liguilla. Um, I try to catch their... their um, their Conca Champions games. You know, I try to watch all their League Cups games. Uh, so, yeah, I am st I still consider myself a big America fan. Uh, like I said, don't keep up with Liga MX week in, week out. But what a beautiful sight. When I do tune in to see them win 4-0 and just dominate and get the Stadio Azteca fucking rocking. They just looked amazing. From, from the, all 90 minutes, it looked like America was a dominant team. They were the ones, you know, looking for the game. Chivas can't even can't even speak on chivas they're they're chivas you know we all know that they have a lot of championships from the past they haven't really been too relevant in in recent years uh do respect that they play all mexican players respect that but we all know america biggest team in mexico they prove it they prove it this weekend on september 16th so it is what it is sorry chivas and valdez man like i said people are making that connection with Cuau. Like we haven't had a tense since this, and I don't want to say that. I don't want to. I don't want to just gloss over the the brilliance that um, Sambuesa had, because like <clears throat> there's been other tens that haven't really done a, a lot. Like, and I I want to say Cabañas was a really good ten too. Um, before you know he had his little incident, but he he was not just the number nine. Like he would be able to create for himself too. So want to give Cabañas some credit. Want to give Sambuesa some credit. But, like, I do get where people are coming from. Like, we haven't had this center attacking midfielder that could dictate play that's just super technical, not the fastest player, just curls the ball, like, kind of acaricia el balón, like, just caresses the ball, like, takes care of it nicely, touches it, 
smoothly. Like I get where people are coming with these comparisons. Like I really do. I really do. Um, as someone that idolized Guatemala Blanco, try to play like him, like not gonna lie, I was a little panchero. I would flop a little bit just because of Guatemala. Guatemala did it. I would do it. Like um, I would take my time on the field, putting my socks up, and any little mannerism like Guatemala did. I would I would try to em- emulate and do it myself. And man, Valdez looks like he could he could definitely like be the next the next leyenda for America. I will say that you know not being Mexican, as I don't want to sound like I only support Mexicans, but I think the fact that Guau grew up in the academy and was through and through Americanista made it that much easier to connect with him. But I will say Valdez, with with what I've seen from him and that that magic he has on his right foot. And his celebrations and stuff. It looks like he really siente la camiseta. He feels the jersey. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see what Valdez could do with America. And America, man, hopefully we're able to get that chip this year. Um, like I said, America, the, the biggest team in Mexico, we're defined by winning championships, not not winning like just derbies during the season. Even even if it's a 4-0, like, you gotta, you gotta celebrate, enjoy it. It's a big win, but at the end of the day, Club America, el equipo más grande de México, the biggest team in Mexico is defined by championships. So third in the overall table. Can't wait for the playoffs. Match day eight. Match day eight was a good one. We have nine more to go. And then the playoffs come. Arriba la América. And unfortunately, we're going to end on a little sad note. <sighs> for me, at least, as a Wolves fan, Wolves fall to Liverpool 3-1 to one after going into halftime with a 1-0 lead. With Huang, Huang He Chan giving us a 1-0 lead in the seventh minute. It looked like, you know, we might be able to pull the opposite. I'm all in you. But Liverpool comes back, scores three on us in the second half. And Wolves are struggling, man. Wolves are struggling. And like it's bad, dude. We might get relegated. We for real might get relegated. Like people were saying it in the beginning of the season, and I wanted to say no. We got three points after five matches. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's so bad. That's so bad. Um. Yeah, dude. I don't even know what to say. Dude, we got five goals scored. We got nine against. <laughs> oh man, we got a negative four. Or no, we got five goals scored, eleven against, negative six goal differential. That is like the second. It's the fourth worst in the Premier League. <laughs> it's so bad, man. It's so bad. Loss, loss, win, loss, loss. Well, if this pattern holds up, we should win the next match. <laughs> That's the only positive thing we have. Oh, we play Luton Town next. Okay, this is it. If we lose to Luton Town on Saturday, 7 a.m. morning, if we lose to Luton Town, who have scored two goals and conceded 10, and have not won a game if we lose to them that's it it's a wrap we're done it's over ggs um you know liverpool valiant effort not gonna lie especially the first half pretty good first half not gonna lie um if we're looking at positives my boy neto is back man it took him a while not gonna lie took him a while he tore his acl last year was not the best took him a while He's looking like a menace on that left side. He's looking like a menace. He's He looks like he has all his speed back, or at least most of it. Like, he could dribble. 
he he's direct with his attacks he's not scared against to go up against anybody whoever comes out there whether it be Matip or Gomez or anybody man he was he was taking them on he was not scared he was ready to go run at you run at you run at you cut run at you run at you cut like he was doing he was doing his thing i am pumped for neto a little sad because I know that we're doing so bad. It's only a matter of time till he's gone. So I got to get his jersey before he goes. Um, defense, not the best. Looking a little sad. Um, our new signing, Belagarde. Belagarde. Looked really good. Really good. He looks like he could, you know, slot right there in that midfield and give us some creativity. Look pretty good. Other than that. As far as that game's concerned, not too much. Not too much. Cunha, dude, Cunha. Ah, oh, dude, you make some good runs sometimes. And, and, and you're tough and you're physical. But, dude, you got to put that away. Like, Neto makes this great play. We're up 1-0. We're dominating Liverpool at home. And you have a beautiful cross to you. You're, like, five meters away from the goal. And you completely butcher it like you don't know what to do you don't know if you're gonna header it you don't know if you're gonna chest it you don't know if you're gonna put it in with your thigh you don't know if you're gonna hit it with your left with your right you just made a huge mess of it i still can't believe that that was the 2-0 that would have given us a little bit more cushion maybe we don't completely fall apart in the second half if you score that goal i can't believe it. it's 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 so bad like our strikers just can't score someone put a curse on our strikers they can't score. They can't score. And it's so sad because, like I said, Neto is, Neto is basically fully back, dude. Like, put him on that starting Portuguese team, dude. I don't know who he's going to bench, but put him on that starting lineup. Like, my boy is raw as fuck right now. He's looking hella good. So, that's the positives from this game. Neto's looking good. We made a good signing to end the transfer season. Belagarde. Belagarde. However you say his name. I apologize if I'm butchering it. My boy look nice. Um, and yeah, on their day, Gomez and Lamina are a solid midfielder duo in the six and the eight. And we'll see up the mighty wolves. I'm still, I'm still there, man. I'm still, I still got hope. Like I said, I got hope because Neto looks like he's fully back. Belgarde, like it's a good signing. And, and it looks like these other teams are kind of shit. Not gonna lie. This other, <laughs> it's not so much that I got complete faith in the wolves to keep themselves up it's, it's kind of like a like mexico when they got to the world cup in 2014 and they couldn't do it themselves they had to get the u.s to beat panama like i kind of trust these other teams to just punk on luton and burnley and everton and sheffield and hopefully bournemouth <laughs> and then you know the wolves might be able to squeak by because luton town like but i said if we lose luton town on saturday at 7 a.m Pacific Standard Time, which I'm gonna be up and I'm gonna watch. If we lose to Lou in Town, all bets are off. Um, we might be in the in the championship next season. And I say this as a diehard Wolves fan of four or five years since they got to the Premier League and they signed Raul Jimenez. I'm a diehard fan. I have like six jerseys of them: Neves, Raul Jimenez, Raul Jimenez, and a couple blanks. And I'm eager to get more. I love the Wolves, up the Mighty Wolves, 
but man, if we lose to Lewintown, it's bad. It's bad. Not gonna lie. I might have a little crisis if we lose to Lewintown. I can't. And I'm a loud Wolves fan. We, you don't hear. Like, you would think I'm rooting for one of the big six teams, though, how loud I am as a Wolves fan. But I get it. We're, we're not supposed to be contenders year in and year out. But I just hope we, get, we don't get relegated, man. Stay in the Premier League. Oh, uh, man. Wolves. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've been ranting to end this this podcast. Most of you guys don't care. It's the fucking Wolves. Who, like, we had, we're a niche team. If you go for the Wolves, if you know, you know, you know? Like, we lo- I love Wolves fan, and I love Wolves Twitter, and I love the Wolves. But if you know, you know, hopefully we stay in the Premier League. And keep an eye out for me if we lose to Lewinton. <laughs> but that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. If you made it to the end, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace. When I slide, no sudden moves. All my goons are stretching. And I'm taxing for the feet. On my damn collection.